listening to the Ice Prep Podcast. Here's your hosts, Brian and Pat. Well, welcome everybody to the Ice Prep Podcast. And I'm going to throw this one at Pat. He is he not sure about this or he has no idea. Uh, special edition on CJBK this weekend. Going to get the full show just with a little bit of a slight ending change. Ooh. So getting uh, kind of the full hour slot on the radio this weekend. That's exciting. I didn't know we were doing that. that. Yeah, the, the Leafs game, the pregame doesn't start until 7 o'clock. So oh. it was like, well, you know what? Let's let's have a little bit more hockey mixed in there. So we will, of course, uh, talk that a little bit later as the Leafs are taking on the Red Wings um, with the three of the best rookies in the league in one game. That That's usually pretty fun. Yeah, no, that'll be... That'll be an interesting game. Um, are they playing at home? No, that one's in Detroit. Okay, so you are going to be up against Bertuzzi. So um, full lineup for, for them. Uh, but Leafs, obviously, I think everybody knows it won't be a full lineup for them with uh, with Muzzin out. That's... Well, I, we don't have it on our – I guess you kind of do have the uh, LTIR on there. But yeah. we can we can start off with that. I'm fine with talking about – Oh yeah, no. Everything I really that's kind of going this. on there. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, jokingly, I said to Pat when Austin Matthews ran his face into the crossbar. Oh, looks like they're finally going to get some LTIR cap space. And then he came back, and then a few games later, Jake Muzzin out, and then of course the Leafs go within just shy of like a couple. What was it like a thousand dollars or it something like that to the under, cap? It was just under ten thousand. Yeah. So the closer you are to the cap, when you put a player on LTIR, you get that much more back. So they get the full kind of uh, salary of what Jake Muzzin is while he's on LTIR. Um, don't be surprised if we don't see him again until the playoffs. You can call that one the Mark Stone, Patrick Kane, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos special at this point. Uh, the only thing that's in common with that is two of those have won a Stanley Cup in doing so, but they're worth eight plus million instead. It it sucks for the Leafs because Muzzin is probably their best defender all around. When he is when he is on, the team plays better because he has such a heavy presence. He forces the other team to pay attention. Yes. You can see Riley get those highlight reel goals. He had an end-to-end one uh, earlier on in the week. TJ Brody is probably their best defensive defenseman that they've had in I don't know how long. But when Muzzin is playing for the Leafs, they are a much different team than when he's not. So I am going to say something that's overtly controversial. And I think that Muzzin is a key problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I am taking a very different point of view on this than you are. And that is because, as you said, the Leafs are substantially better when Muzzin is on the ice. Great. That's not a good thing. If one person is that level of, like, holding and supporting up a team and you lose them, that's not good. He is a problem for the Leafs because they rely on him too much. They aren't sitting there, you know, focusing on trying to, to to create more stability because they're like, we've got Muzzin. Muzzin's good. He's injured almost every single playoffs, whether it's... He's both playoffs. He's been injured for them. Exactly. So, like, right there, liability, and nobody's talking about that. He may not be back in time for the playoffs. I know that obviously the joke is, ha ha ha, LTIR, I called it literally in our prep sheet, I called it the LTIR jamboree. That's the official term for it now. So when people are doing the jamboree of LTIR stuff like um, Vegas is currently doing, sure, you know, you kind of laugh about it, but I mean, it's still obviously, people's health is still on the line there. So that's just, I hope that Muzzin is back and healthy nobody deserves to have any sort of concussions or anything like that. It's it's scary. But at the same time, he may not be healthy for the playoffs, and now they're in scramble mode. Now they're going to have to give up so much to try and replace or figure out uh, a different solution to Muzzin being out, and they're going to be doing this battle year after year after year after year. If I was Dubas, I would be looking at this going, 
yet another year. Our team is going to suffer. I think we need to move him and figure out a different solution because he is too relied upon in comparison to any other defensive pairing. Talk about any other team where one defenseman is the pillar and when they're gone, the whole team's garbage. New Jersey? Okay, well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be too mean, but the team isn't great with... Chris Letang? I wouldn't even say that. Adam Fox? I wouldn't say that. Quinn Hughes? Okay, maybe Quinn Hughes. <laughs> There's a few that, but I those are all more no. offensive pillars compared to because those teams rely on them to help generate offense. I get where you're coming from on this one, but it's it's like an argument complaining that oh you have too much of a good thing, so let's get rid of the good thing because it's causing too much good. If yes, it is. It's I, the I compared this though. one. I I said this one to you, um, thinking as a Jays fan back what like seven eight years ago. Jake Muzzin is literally Troy Tulowitzki. He is this player that is phenomenal. When he is on, you can tell that he is there, but for whatever reason, it just feels like at times made of glass, and then they go out, and it's like, well, we lost our all-star shortstop, or we lost our like he fantastic defenseman. Uh, Tula was a shortstop, wasn't he? I thought he was first base. Me... Okay, now, now we're debating Toronto Blue Jays. But while you're looking it up, I just, it's it's the heavy reliance on... Shortstop, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. I was thinking of someone completely different, but... I just remember the play of him getting hurt going back and then bumping into Pilar, and it was like the weirdest fall you've ever seen. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then he ended up was breaking a few ribs from that or something like that, and then he couldn't come back quite the same way. It That's, to me... Pulling another sport in, it's a perfect comparable. And it's also Toronto, so it's an even more perfect comparable because it's this player that is such a key part to a championship DNA that just seemingly gets injured at the worst possible times, and then you're scrambling to try and fill that gap, which is pretty much what you said. But I am but I would argue against that he's a key part of a championship DNA because he's not. He hasn't been for them. They want him to be, but he hasn't been. And if you if you have a person like him that you rely on so heavily, then you're just like, okay, well, we don't have to worry too much about this other pairing because, you know, we've got, you know, Brody and Muzzin and we've got this. But Muzzin is so heavily relied upon to be healthy. He clearly has not been healthy all season. He doesn't, he hasn't looked good this year. In comparison to previous years, both on... Um, the Leafs and any other team he played for, he has not looked nearly as good as he has in the past. Is it regression or is he injured? I'm willing to bet he's probably injured. Um, so he's playing through injuries. He's not playing at 100%. And this person that you're expected to rely on, it's like having a cane with half the wood cut out. At some point, it's going to snap. You're sitting there relying on this person and he's giving 150% of a body that's only able to give 60 well, maybe this is one of those things where it's like Mark Stone that, because of Eichel, able to rest his back, that maybe this is what he needs. Well, is who's the Eichel then? He might be in. able to get, what, two and a half months potential of rest and rehab and recovery. The Leafs would have to go on a Philadelphia Flyers-level uh, absolute collapse to not make the playoffs at this point. So why not? You know that there's still another move happening there. You oh, know yeah. that um, uh, Labushkin, yeah, Labushkin isn't the only defender that's coming to the Leafs, especially now with Muzzin out. Mm-hmm. So it, I well, who are they giving up though? Who do they give? That's up the to? thing. Yeah, that, it. Uh, <sighs> they've they've got a few players because also, if I remember correctly, um, isn't Nick Robertson uh, potentially? Uh, healthy-ish sometime soon, and he's one of those players no, for again. the Leafs. He's back. Is he back? Yeah, in, he's uh... with the Marlies. But do you really think that they're going to trade him? I don't think D- Dubas ever would. I feel like... No, not to trade. It means that somebody on their roster, like um, Pierre Engvall, for example, or Mikheyev, who right now, his value is finally back up to a good spot. He's good on the PK. He's fast. Everything else, he seems to just... His luck is going to run out 
on just like magically having the puck go off of him in weird ways to get a goal. If you're look at how the Leafs have been built by Dubas, and then especially when you bring Keefe in, they would probably much rather have Nick Robertson playing on that team than they would having Pierre Engvall or Mikheyev. No. Robertson can slot up to the second line. Those other two, they're going way down. If you look at the team that he's currently backbuilding, so he brought on Kyle Clifford, um, you've got Muzzin, Labushkin, those aren't tiny people. I think he's building a stronger team, like physically stronger, not point getting stronger. Um, he's building that sort of strength up for the playoffs, which means he's going to be looking for an equivalent. Obviously, on defense, that's what he's going to be doing. But at the same time, why would you take out somebody with the height, the speed, and the strength? Because you can't deny the strength of Mikheyev and Angval. They may look like weird giraffes with skates on, but they they have more strength than Nick Robertson. They don't need goal scoring. You are paying so much money for goals on Except the top Except for line. in the playoffs last year, that's where their issue happened. Because their goal scoring just ran dry obviously that was because of a center who's now playing for the LA Kings but the you can look at they I just don't think there's so many things with the Leafs that you can argue all day about it there are it's just so (laughs) well it's a rock imagine being a Leafs like we're not Leaf fans and this is how we get talking about it I know, but it's just, I look at the their lineup and I look at their assets and it's just like, I don't know what else, I don't know if they can get the quality of defender that they would want without hemorrhaging something big. So if they are going to be doing that, I would not be blown away if they went to Arizona yet again and they talked about Chikrin and they look the at only salary thing with, cap retention. The only thing with... Chikrin though is yeah the well I guess the the cap doesn't matter anymore that's the thing and you're more than willing to be like here take a first plus plus because there is the contract associated with it exactly the only thing with Chikrin though is that's not the type of player they necessarily need he's but he's another that would also that and that would also mean in a good Def, uh, a good uh he's not even that aggressive on uh, on attack though he doesn't get a lot of points well not too many people on that team do but that would mean that you've got <laughs> tj brody muzzin riley and then potentially chikrin all locked up for a few years as your top four lilligren and sandine who let's be honest lilligren has he's been like both good. of those they're still young they have their moments but when they're on, they are, you can see the promises there, but you can also see that they are still a little inexperienced. Defensemen take longer in the NHL. Mm-hmm. That is like a proven fact, unless you're the elite of the elite. And there's only been a few of those in the last few years. Yeah. I, if you're, <laughs> if you're somebody criticizing the Leafs and you look at the team next year and you go, okay, so they've got, Riley, potentially Chikrin, if he comes over, which I think I agree with you. They have the space for him now. TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin, as you're locked in top four. That's scary. Costing just over probably $22, $23 million. I think you're happy. And then it's just hoping that you can figure out your goaltending, which seems to be half the league's problem. Yeah. So you're you're right. Years ago, Dubas, his whole thing was, I'm going to take only from the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. Brought in Muzzin, brought in Campbell. Uh, they've done that in the past with Anaheim way back when. I believe there was a second player as a part of when they got Freddie Anderson. Yep. They like to go back, even before Dubas, to stick with the same team. It's where Richie was last year. Yeah. No, I mean... So I... I wonder, yeah, because his name has been uh, the last little bit. Ever since Muzzin went on, uh, he was injured. You're, you're starting to see rumblings of Chikrin's name and the Leafs being more and more. So, And the more looking at it, like, that is a scary top four, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, that is the one thing the Leafs have never had in my memory, is a top four defensive pairing that you can look at and be like, yeah, that sucks. That's, a, that's I a don't want to face contending that. Contending for right now, they don't have a cup contending for because even if 
you've got Riley Muzzin and Brody healthy. That fourth, is it Dermot? I don't know. Is it Sandine? I don't know. Is it Lilgren? I don't know. Like it sure as heck isn't Hull, who everybody oh, every yeah, single time he him. steps on the ice, every Leaf fan is uh, screaming at their TV. Well, how about this then? You you package up Hall with a, the the first round pick next year, if that's available, if not the following year. Um, probably another pick and then maybe even another young gun for Chikrin because you know that's what Arizona wants. Arizona wants they want young talent and they want cheap talent and they want picks. And they also need players that are signed. That's the thing cuz next year they do not have a lot of like actual players yeah uh on their roster. Uh, Chikrin still has quite a few years left on his contract. He's 23. What um, a great scoop that would... Like, if the Leafs pick up Chikrin... How about this? I will throw this out to the world right now. If the Leafs pick up Chikrin before the trade deadline or on the trade day, I will get a Toronto St. Pat's Chikrin jersey. I don't think they will. It would be the right move if they could do it, but I don't think they're going to be able to. If they can, they're going to if they get him, in my opinion, they are cup ready. They are cup contenders. I know that seems ridiculous to say he is that key piece, but No, he is. He really I, the truly more we, can be. Like it's I had forgotten that they had locked up Brody uh the way that they did and then with that, yeah, what is every Cup team the last few years have in common. They've got that what defense wins. Yep. Like you have to have that top four. Look at St. Louis's run. Look at the last two for Tampa. You go back, Washington kind of won it because Holtby and Ovi and Kuznetsov kind of just all went ridiculous Rolled mode. But they well, still they had, had the defense. And they still like that one was not as much the the whole top four, but I I'm kind of with you on that in it it took us what almost 15 minutes to get to this point that from being like well the Leafs with Muzzin there's the problem however if they keep Muzzin and Chikrin comes in suddenly that is then so much scarier yeah. you're you don't want to be facing that team no not it's, one bit it's like Carolina when their defense is healthy like right now uh, Tony D'Angelo expected to be out for like a month mm-hmm. when their defense is healthy you look at that team and go what do you do? Yeah, like there's a reason why defensemen have been so sought off, sought after. Like you look at uh, what was it, free agency? The asking price for defensemen oh. last last year it was absurd. That's why Justin Hall got signed for so much. And like as much as I think that Dermot's a fantastic defenseman, I really do think that he's a very good third line defenseman. Absolutely. Same with Sandine, same with Lilligren, especially when you've got that lineup in front of you. But they just, they're not there. But the nice thing is, is if they have one of those three guys, of Lilligren, Sandine, or Dermot, on that third line pairing, when you go on PP2, you're not going to put, you're probably not going to, you might put Chikrin out there, but you're going to have Riley on the first PP, and then I would put Sandine on the second Kid's got a shot. He's got a lot of speed. He's got no problem going into the corners on like rushing forward and pushing past the blue line. So you have two and good QBs for the for the power play. You don't have to exhaust Brody, Chikrin, and Muzzin. Come on. Yeah, and then that and the Leafs are one of those teams that can physically rock eight forwards total over their two power play units and be fine because Jason Spezza is playing like he's in his er, like early 30s again when he's out there. Not and like it also Pavelski, gives time though. for some of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The more I looked into that after last week, I was just blown away as to how unreal of a season Pavelski is having. And talk about, for the most part, just like a type week because it's just a Labushkin trade. Yeah. And then all the shenanigans with uh, waivers happening, oh. uh, including, uh, oh, yes, <laughs> poor, hey, he's, um, it sucks that he's not back with the Leafs who really wanted him, but he's also playing with one of the top scorers in the league right now and a bona fide Leaf killer in Winnipeg. So, I mean, if he can play half decently there, 
I don't think he gets waived, and he probably gets offered more than League Min next year, so... I just really hope that he doesn't get waived again and picked up again. That kid, just, like, at least give him one year. One solid year in a place that he can adjust... At least get an apartment. Like, I just... <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Clearly, he's talented. He's sought after, which is a nice thing to be in the league. But at the same time, to move to four teams... Toronto, Montreal, Vegas, Toronto, Winnipeg, five. Five moves one year. That's a, Or technically yeah. four moves in one year. But And then having to report at times to the AHL teams because that's where he was going to. It's just one of those weird situations. But he's in Winnipeg now. Seems like he's getting minutes there. So Good for him. I, good for him. Um, I think move on from uh, talking about how the Leafs can fix, fix things because we're clearly the best GMs on the planet. Obviously. Um. I mean, we could go right into just the trade bait. There, yeah, we we were talking about the trades, and strangely enough, on the trade bait, we didn't have Chikrin there. I don't know why, because um, <laughs> I don't know how to spell got... his name. There's too many whys. <laughs> I would have just put Chicklets, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what you meant. Chicky Chicky. Uh, so we've got we've got five names on this list, and they're definitely the ones that are kind of being thrown out there. Um, a lot right now. The first one on the list, I can't believe this name is being shopped around. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently it's because he has made it very clear to Nashville. I do not want to come back next year. And well, that stems that if you look, what's coming out is basically clear. him saying he was so upset when Victor Robertson was traded away oh, to the Kings. Yeah, I guess so. He like on online, yeah. he was livid. Yeah. And apparently he has said he doesn't want to come back. So don't be surprised if Philip Forsberg Philly. Uh, heads heads off to L.A. Could you imagine how scary that would be with uh, like a Philip Forsberg, Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson line? That would be gross. L.A. is back on the rebound in a scary way. Yeah. And who knows? So you've got that name on the list. There's a few teams that would obviously really like him, but that's a high price rental fee i would assume yeah like i feel like if they were going to be doing a move for him it would be with like a you know he's got a sign sort of thing like the deal of if he doesn't sign then you take on a crap ton of this money because I, yeah it yeah it, w- it would have to be one of those like you you tr- the trade isn't quite as hefty but there is some but if he resigns, and it's like, yeah, that that second or third becomes a first type deal. Yeah, it, they've they've got to have some sort of caveat with that. But no, it'd be interesting to see what he can garner too, because he's been good, he's been consistently good, and in the playoffs, he's great. But throughout the seasons, he's a good player. He's never really cracking the top fifteen in points for a bit. Um. So it'll be he's interesting. got five seasons above fifty points, Which and he's kind good. of been, yeah. And then you look at the the one year that he didn't. Oh, I, that COVID shutdown. He only played sixty three games, and then last year he only played thirty nine. So it's he's one of those players that yeah he's got fairly decent playoff numbers on the uh, <laughs> the one year they played he played thirteen games and had sixteen points. The year they went to the cup, uh, twenty seven games, sixteen points. So he can improve teams. Ooh, I but, hope that they trade him. If they if they are gonna trade him, I hope that if there's a Kadri trade, the Kadri goes first. Um because or No, I hope he goes I hope Kadri goes second. I hope they trade Forsberg first because if there's numbers that are gonna be relatively similar, minus this year, it's Forsberg and Kadri. I feel like those are pretty similar numbers. Yeah, because right now, Philip Forsberg, 38 games, 26 goals, 18 assists, 44 points. Like, that is a massive boost. Obviously, a UFA next year, $6 million cap hit. For some teams, like, who... I know everybody's talking. We talked about it a lot last week, either Giroux or Pavelski. Maybe the Avs just say, screw it, and just super load up, get a player off of a potential playoff rival so he's he's one of those players that i don't think he will go east no i don't think so i think he's gonna stay out west and that is scary um do you want to look at some of the other names here this is the one i wanted to talk about quite a bit and this was 
Okay. Mark Andre Fleury. So, <laughs> as you can former pro- Vesna winner traded for a player not in the NHL anymore. No, not former Vesna. Current reigning oh, Vesna current reigning. <laughs> playing for the Chicago Blackhawks, who are not at all the Chicago Blackhawks that uh, they used to be, which is a good thing. I think we can all agree on at this point. But he is not getting the love there. Um, he's not happy. You can tell he's not happy. It's it's bad when you can see Mark Andre Fleury is mad. Because he doesn't show that emotion often. He's generally a very happy person, very friendly and outgoing. He doesn't seem that way there. So he's clearly not thrilled to be playing there. I don't think he's ready to retire. I think if he is going to retire, he's probably going to sign a one day in either, probably not Vegas, but maybe in Pittsburgh. Um, but I, there's, there's rumblings and rumors of flurry to Colorado. And that oh, I haven't heard that one. I uh, now it's not any, it's nothing is substantiated or anything, and it might just be you know hearsay. But that is intriguing. There's a lot of talk of Darcy Kemper's play and people being nervous, which I'm like, what in the holy hell are you talking about? He is 15th in the league for save percentage after being second last place at the start of the season. So clearly he's doing okay. You don't need to replace Pavel Francouz because he's in sixth place for save percentage. So he's doing okay. So I doubt it'll happen there. But the one that concerns me is I think the Minnesota Wild has been in the conversation. And I don't like that. <laughs> because I don't Well, we know he won't go we know he won't go to uh the Capitals, because apparently the Capitals have just been after him nonstop and he was like I will not play for your team. Yeah. So which is nice to see because obviously the Pittsburgh Washington rivalry kind of runs deep. So maybe he's just wanting to keep uh it wrestling term kayfabe alive in that one. Um yeah, cuz if you go to Minnesota, their number one goalie Cam He's still pretty good though. He's 17 12 and 3. Mhm. But then their backup, you keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Cam Talbot, I forgot he was with them. Mm-hmm. Their main goalie, 31, 19, and 11. Yeah. So it, the only reason why he would go there is if somebody like Cam Talbot is shipping out. And unless Cam Talbot is going back to Edmonton, I don't know if that happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. And that's, that's the other one that I wanted to talk about, actually. It's fun that you brought that up, is... I think that this might, this unless he's got a no move to Canada, I think that we might see Mark Andre Fleury as an Edmonton Oiler. Yeah, that's the Oilers are in such a weird position, and I have on our. I can go to this if you want in the middle of um, kind of the the trade bait talk because I had I had said to Pat earlier that. There's something with Edmonton and the Rangers that I want to talk about. And the more you look at the stats, take a look at um, Shesterkin's stats. He is like, he, at this point right now, he, he should win the Vesna and the Hart. I am, I am sorry, Huberto. It is Shesterkin's to win. The New York Rangers, without him in net, are Philadelphia Flyers level hockey team this year. They do not make the playoffs without Shesterkin in net. If he is a league average goalie, they are not in a playoff position. If the Edmonton Oilers had a league average goalie, they would be in a playoff position. Could you imagine the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers are the exact same team except one has a good goalie? I don't think that's the case. I really don't think so. I I What's, think New York's a better team. Why do you team not think so? Because New York's got better depth than Edmonton. Edmonton has two and a half players. If you want to combine Nuge, Kane, and Hyman all together to create the half. Whereas you've got Chris Kreider, who's leading goal scorer still. Is he still the leading goal scorer? I think so. 
Uh, no, Leon Dreisaitl is. Okay, well, there you go. So you've got Chris Kreider, you've got Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, you've got Lafreniere, Capocacco. You've got a lot of talent on this team. Yeah, Adam Fox. What? Uh, Capocacco is not having a great season. No, but at the same time... Neither is Lafreniere. He's, he's got the pieces of it. If, like, if you go head-to-head on the top players on both of those teams... Adam Fox is like the only difference maker aside from in net. Darnell Nurse is so heavily overpaid. He is a very good player, but you combine him on a line with somebody like Evan Bouchard, that's kind of a, they match up to what Adam Fox would be. Yes, he's got, uh, he's tied for uh, defenseman in points right now, but up front, you look at the depth, that's a very similar team between New York and Edmonton. When Nuge is playing half decently, he is, he's up in that category. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. How is he at 700 games in the NHL already? That is ridiculous. Defense? They, the New York Rangers have a tiny bit of an edge because of Fox. Well, if, Fox and Keandre If Miller. New York has average level goaltending in the NHL, they do not have a shot at making the playoffs. Well, if it's the also Edmonton the Oilers in, had, If the Edmonton Oilers had... League average goaltending, they're in a playoff spot. Well, yeah, if they sh- had goaltending to the level of Shesterkin, no. because these two teams are so similar, they would probably be up near Colorado levels of points right now. No, I completely disagree. That because like what you're saying is if if Edmonton had Igor Shesterkin, they would be up at Colorado. No, that makes you're, that completely disproves what you just said that they're the same team just with. You know, if they had the same level of goaltending. Because the defense on uh, New York is better, period. Like, without a doubt, it is hands down better. There's no doubt in my mind with that. Because they're not getting shelled with shots. They're not seeing the same volume of shots, I think. I don't know. I haven't actually (laughs) looked. But... I just, I can't see them being close, that close to Edmonton. They are the better team. No matter what, they are the better team, not even counting the goaltending situation there, in my opinion. I think that if they swapped divisions, Edmonton would be getting demolished, and New York would be beyond blowing out that division. And that, to me, you... It all comes back to goaltending. Well, yeah, Look at that's a team the member. Oilers goaltending. Like they think they have it under Woodcroft. They get a few wins in a row, and then suddenly Mike Smith goes back to letting in five plus goals in a few games. Like they can't figure out their goaltending. Mm-hmm. That is the Edmonton Oilers' biggest problem. If Shesterkin is not in net, the Rangers are terrible. They have to play like the Oilers. They have to try and outscore their problems, and they can't. Yeah, well, that's why I'm they, saying they're going to the move Edmonton for Oilers, The Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers are the exact same team, no. except one has a heart-caliber Vesna goaltender. The other team has, what, I believe three goalies who are sub-900 save percent. No, it, it, no. It's just, it, just because Ed, Edmonton has one player, maybe two if you want to call Dreisaitl, which I don't think, like... I, I'm i still on the fence on whether or not the two of them can live independently and still kill it. Um, I know, I'm still one of those people. Uh, but it's been proven that if you shut down, if you absolutely shut down just McDavid, you win the game, period. You can't do that in New York, regardless of who's in net. If you shut down Panarin, you still have Mika Zibanejad, who is scary good. You still have Chris Kreider, who for some reason is suddenly scary good. You know, you still got these people that can put points in, whereas Edmonton doesn't have that. They hemorrhaged money for Nugent Hopkins, hoping he'd be good, but he's not doing well. Kyler Yamamoto, I want him to do well, but he's yeah, he's all right. He's doing okay. You've got You've got this team that's broken fundamentally in the Oilers that need to figure out how to play hockey again. Because if they, they remember had goaltending, for a day, they make the playoffs, though. 
Yeah, and that's why I said they're going to do that with Mark andre Fleury. Because they have zero support in the back end. They have minimal support in defense. And they have a couple good players up front. New York is pretty solid up front. Has pretty good defensemen. And then they also have this incredible goalie. I just, I don't think that that make no. They are not the same team. Igor Shosturkin is 24-5-0 yes. this season. He has a save percentage of 939. That is unreal. Mike Smith, 5, 6, and 0, oh, and 891 save percentage. Uh, I didn't have the time to pull up the other goalies here. It. The more you look at the teams, the way that they play, the way that they, to me, they are almost identical teams, except there is a goaltender that is competent, in net, yeah, Koskinen may have 17 wins. His save percentage is under 900. The only reason why the New York Rangers are sitting where they are is because of Igor Shosturkin. I, I don't think so. I oh, sorry, Stuart Skinner is at a 913, but he still gets shelled. Like they just. It just, it doesn't, I don't think that's the case. I really don't think so. I don't think that that math works. That's, hey, that's my take on things. You look at the two teams, to me, aside, like, Adam Fox, to me, is the only, like, person, player that you look at that you go, whoo, what a, what a difference. But then at the same time, if McDavid is having a half-decent game, he can cancel out most players on any team. We're starting to see other players on the Oilers under Woodcroft kind of starting to show a bit more of that spark. Like, if the Oilers have an average save percent of 9-10, 9-15, they're in a playoff spot. If Igor Shosturkin is not performing at a point nine four, if he's an average goaltender, they are not in a playoff spot. The only difference between the Oilers and the New York Rangers is one has a good goaltender, the other doesn't. Everything is almost identical. That's you the way that I wrong. see it. You are wrong. That is not, it's no. And I mean, we're just, we're going to go back and forth, but like, there's nothing that you can show me that will prove that to be true. Nothing. Not a single thing. I'll dig some stuff up after and, and bring it towards you. We'll we'll bring we'll bring a, a little bit more stats in. It was a little too Miko busy to, to go all in on it. Miko Koskinen has played four less games and has seen about no less than two hundred less shots. Okay, four less games, less than two hundred less shots. He's so, also a bad goalie. We've known that for years. I know, but I'm also saying that they're pretty much in the exact same situation there but New York is still killing it in comparison to that entire division that division is so difficult and Edmonton is in a very easy division by comparison and they're struggling it was an easy division Calgary they're unreal right now Vegas they're a super strong team LA they have come back Nobody wants to play against Anaheim right now. Vancouver's still meh. And then obviously you've got San Jose and Seattle. The beginning of the year when we were looking at the Pacific being like, this is the worst division in hockey. That doesn't quite exist anymore. The Metro is so top heavy that the bottom four, they offset it. I just... The The Metro literally eats the Islanders, Philly, and New Jersey alive for half their points. It, it feels like on most nights. Okay, so goals for. If we're going to be looking at goals for, if you want to talk... 20 more for Edmonton. Exactly. 20 more for Edmonton. Same amount of games played. Yep. And almost a difference of 40 goals against. That is huge. Oh, boy. The Rangers are plus 24 on their goal differential. That is because of Igor Shosturkin. The Edmonton Oilers are plus 5. Somehow. That is the most 
insane stat that somehow they are plus. That team should be a negative goal differential, even though they, uh, they're they one of the top teams in the league oh, for goals for. I said a bad word. Um, I'm looking at the wrong season. One second. <laughs> <laughs> Your bat's trying to argue against me, and he's looking at last year when the, uh, the North Division existed and the... Uh, <laughs> No, I was going to say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. So now am I looking at, okay, 21-22, games played. Uh, no, goals. Uh, what is 50 it? Goals and the, the Oilers have one more game at this point. Obviously, they lost the last game before we did this podcast. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. The Rangers are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. Goal 10, <laughs> the biggest argument for the Oilers, it's not, well, they need more scoring. No, they don't. Their defense, yeah, yeah. It's the goaltending. What is the one thing that saves the Rangers night in and night out? Their goaltending. To me, as I said, I I can see the argument where it's like you're an idiot for thinking this. But as you dive deeper and you compare things, it's just, yeah, sometimes a team is going to have a goalie that is going to be unreal. The New York Rangers have it this year. They have it in an unreal way. But with if suddenly Igor Shosturkin gets hurt, New York Rangers do not make the playoffs. They will get leapfrogged by Washington in a heartbeat, and they will sink out of the wild card. That team, the back of the New York Rangers, is Shosturkin, just like the Oilers are hard-carried by what McDavid does, and you can't outscore your problems if your goalies can't save, uh, what, nine out of every ten shots. What you looking at there, Pat? Oh, boy. (laughs) Has Pat started to look into the stats a little bit more, and you're starting to see my argument on this? I really, really want to just change the topic, because I don't want to say that you're right. I really don't, because I was so <laughs> against it, and now I'm looking at the numbers, and holy crap! The number, like it is, it is scary how similar these two teams are. Oh boy, I don't like except this. for goaltending. Okay, well then they need Mark Andre Fleury. So back to what we first got <laughs> if on. He this, goes there. We need to get Mark Andre Fleury <laughs> into Edmonton. Good lord. This- This is why I didn't want to tell you any of this before, because I knew that if I didn't catch you off guard on this, that it would be a completely different argument. Because I wanted you in real time to look at the stats and just have it suddenly dawn on you as, oh, wait, no, 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 It, 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 it can't be. And you dig in and you look more and more. And it's it's stupid. They are the same team, except one has a world-beating goalie. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it when Brian's right. <laughs> Anyways, Kessel, where is Kessel going? <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 talk the last few trade things here quick, and then I think we're gonna have to. Uh, Ship on out of this one because we have we talked a lot about the Leafs we'll and then I really got Pat sidetracked. Quick. I think we'll hop yes. around to a couple things quick though because there's a there's okay. a couple things I want to just quickly touch on too. Okay. So one, uh, do you know who is in the last ten in the last ten games? Do you know who is second place for wins? Second place for wins because first place. Oh, is I know Calgary. who's first. They're in ten. Yeah, they've got they've um, won ten of ten. So who's won eight? second? Pl- who has won eight? Um, my brain wants to say Dallas? Nope. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay, yeah, they... <laughs> they are 8 um, And then, what's one of my notes on uh, our show prep list? Line A is unreal right now. He is one of those players, when he gets hot, he is probably the most prolific goal scorer in the NHL. He is probably... We saw that, what, two years ago oh, don't in even... Winnipeg? See, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that at all, but now we're here, so here we go. I had well, Patrick Laine on my fantasy team, 
and I sat him the night that he scored, what was it, five goals? <laughs> five goals. Won that lady a million dollars. Five goals, and he was on my bench. And then I played him for like three weeks straight, and he got me nothing. And he never scored. And then I went, you know what? I'm trading him. And the first time, the first game he played after I traded him, he got a hat trick. And I was so mad. I do not like him simply for that reason, <laughs> but I also love his fit. He, he knows how to rock a suit, even if it's the weirdest thing and it makes him look like a villain from a weird movie. I, I love his, like, Patrick Laine vibe, style, whatever you want to call it. Yep. He just doesn't care because he knows he's that good that the it, it doesn't great. matter. Columbus, uh, everybody thought that they were going to be the um, kind of Arizona Coyotes of the East when they started trading away players, when they lost Seth Jones, mm-hmm. um, Cam Atkinson, they bring in Voracek, who's been what a what a resurgence on uh, what what looks like gritty on ice. Yeah. And some of their young players starting to play. Uh, Max Domi starting to play well again. So uh, that's the thing. Good. As I said, if, if Shesterkin goes down, Columbus could easily crawl their way in. They're a 2% right now to make the playoffs and they basically have to stay on this kind of streak to do it i think it's it's, everything's everything's going it's possible um they're playing really well um they're playing smart i think is the best way to to do it um and by that i mean they're either winning by seven goals or losing by seven goals or winning in overtime (laughs) over the leaves um but yeah uh i think it was sarah sivian who tweeted that out that uh how is Columbus somehow always either winning or losing by seven goals? And then they did it literally their next game. Um, <laughs> so keep an eye on Columbus. That's some pretty entertaining hockey there, which you don't really get to say a lot about Columbus. So yeah, good for them. Um, it's yeah, nice not to since see. the uh, early Rick Nash years. Yeah, it's really nice to see. Um, the other thing I wanted to quickly touch on too, uh, if unless we wanted to go somewhere else, um, and just... Because I'm a Colorado fan, I wanted to talk about this quickly, and it was Nathan McKinnon doing the slash and not uh, getting any sort of repercussions for it. So this is the second time that we've had a a bit of a conversation about something kind of crummy that he did and didn't have any repercussions on it, and that is like back-to-back podcasts because he did that to Nolan Patrick, who is skating again in a no-contact jersey, but good to see. Um, And now... Uh, he took a slash at uh, center ice against. He went for the Boston player with a double-handed chop, which is a penalty, um, and hit the ref, but not even really hit, like barely hit him, um, and then actually went up and apologized almost immediately afterwards once the play ended. So it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of the, like, it's. That happening back-to-back with McKinnon, there's been a few, like, you don't want to say kind of iffy hits where something hasn't happened, but there's been a few of them lately. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, the Colorado Avalanche are becoming what looks to be the biggest villain to every other franchise in the NHL because it's like their, their stars are doing these things and they're not getting penalized for it. Like, they're not getting fined. Nothing's happening. And they're just rocketing up the the list for points. So don't be surprised as we get closer to the trade deadline, to the end of the season, if we see another thing like this. The narrative of the Avs are not the like, oh, everybody jump on their bandwagon. It's everybody's going to want to see the Avs lose because they've become this villainous figure. Well, see, the thing is, though, is... They previous in previous seasons they have been penalized for this, which is why it's confusing to me. Because like, yeah, Nathan McKinnon should like. I think everybody's in agreement that even if it was kind of who knows, you know, it might have been a fluke that he hit Nolan Patrick in the head. He still should have at least got a fine. Um, Nathan yeah. McKinnon probably also should have got a fine for accidentally, even if it was an accident, accidentally hitting the ref. You don't do those things in the game. You look at last season. Landeskog got banned so many times. You had um, Rantanen getting uh, huge fines for diving, which Michael Bunting just got as well. You, you've you got Kadri, obviously, just being Kadri. So I don't know what happened. Um, this, You know what this screams to me? 
Kadri's going to do something and he's going to get like a 30 game suspension because they're going to be like, you have got away with a few too many things. Yeah, he's going to have to throw the book at him. He's going to have to play the cleanest hockey ever seen on ice. Like plain and simple. He is going to have to just stand still like Ovechkin waiting for a slap shot one timer. Just that's it. He's going to have to just hands at his side, skating, just barely gliding across the ice, going nowhere near anybody, hoping somebody passes him the puck. Like it's, it's going to, he's going to get suspended for something now. I can guarantee it. Cause it's, it's one of those weird things where it's, it's just weird that it's happening, but you can already see that narrative starting on hockey Twitter of the avalanche being these like villains. It's like, they, they can't keep getting away with this is, is what's coming up. And like, it sucks because what they're doing, I agree, should be there should be a penalty involved, but they're not being penalized. So then all of a sudden the Avalanche are getting this focus on them when it's really the Department of Player Safety. It's it's really them that are creating this villain because you don't look, look at the man behind the curtain, Pat. I know, but you look at like all the other teams that do things like this and they get penalized for it. So why is Colorado not? They should be. There should be financial or game penalty or a game. I, I keep saying penalties because that's the vernacular, really. But like, it's a match penalty in like every other sport 100%. on the planet, basically. So, like, I agree. McKinnon should has have been suspended or at least fined for either one of those. Like, there, it's it's baffling to me. But like, to and say because that he wasn't. I know they're they're starting to look like the NHL is favoring the Avs. Be like, well, we can't. They got to keep winning. But you know what? That's that's how it looks to other fan bases. Don't worry though, because we're recording this on Thursday night, and tonight the Leafs are playing the Minnesota Wild. So when the Minnesota Wild do something again, because that's what they do, and not get any sort of suspension or penalization whatsoever. Then the attention's going to shift back to Minnesota, but that... Minnesota's going to play the cleanest game you've ever seen, and yeah, Pat's no, going to just be screaming on Twitter like, "I promise they're a dirty team." No, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> a clean game by the Minnesota Wild? No, that'll never happen. You, I'll eat a shoe. You watch before the that Leafs happens. are the Leafs are not going to go on the power play a single time tonight. Now, just watch. It's I don't know. It's the the Minnesota Wild because we don't see very many game like it's very rare that you get to watch a minnesota wild game when you do get to watch them every single time the narrative after the game is over is wow they're a dirty team colorado not so much i'm not saying they're flawless absolutely not like i said they all should have been like there should have been suspensions or financial penalties involved absolutely they should not be playing that way it's sloppy and it makes it crummy so but you look at, like, Winnipeg and you look at Minnesota and the two of them every single time, the narrative afterwards is, my goodness, they're so dirty. And yes. But, don't, but if they play in the playoffs, that's clean old playoff hockey. Yes. So maybe that's what Colorado's doing. They're just getting ready to be crummy as long as possible. And Kadri, just please skate around in one of those bubble suits. <laughs> I think from there, Pat, it is time to move on. Woo! The Ice Prep Podcast presents Games, Games of the Week. Uh, talk about probably two solid choices by uh, us here. I, I think your game may have edged mine out just just slightly, but not by much. Uh, of course, my game was the Oilers taking on the Bolts, the uh, Tampa Bay getting the 5-3 win in that one. I have the feeling if uh, Edmonton had a competent goaltender, they probably would have <laughs> won that one. See, see what I did there? I'm bringing back the same thing. Just twisting that knife. That's good. No, that was a and good game. Yeah. It was, but the game between the Canes and the Pens, good pick. Yeah, that one was a very, very good game. Um, I unfortunately had to watch the recap of it because I was driving. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was high. Like, I just, I just followed as much as possible afterwards, read a whole bunch about it, and it was just pure intensity between the two of them um that will be if that is a playoff matchup oh my goodness please go to seven games oh i would watch i would eat that up and i am neither team a fan but i would love watching that fight that would be amazing between both of them 
And then looking towards this week, this week. Um, I'm kind of I'm throwing a curveball for what I'm doing, but I'll let you go first because chronologically yours happens before mine. Yeah, no, actually, uh, I'm surprised you went for this one over another one, but um, the one that I'm going for is this coming Monday. That's right. I am choosing the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is very hmm. odd because I normally shy away from that because, you know, you're probably already going to watch the Leafs. And, you know, we talk about the Leafs because it's nearby, so we know a lot about the Leafs. But at the same time, I don't want to have to sit and watch the Leafs every day. Um, so the Leafs are going to be taking... I, I do because it's the game my wife lets me watch. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> She's a Leafs fan. <laughs> it's it's pretty much the game I can watch because most of the time if I want to watch Colorado, like they played Detroit and I was like, ooh, I get to watch a Colorado game. It was exciting to me because it's very rare to be able to finish one of their games. But I have decided on Monday, Toronto at Washington, that is going to be that is going to be a very good game. Um, that's going to be a telling game um, because you know it could be yet another playoff matchup. There is a chance of it, and if that's the case, this could be an interesting matchup to watch. We're kind of in that time now where it's just like, okay, okay, let's see how these matchups go because it's getting closer to pairing up like that in uh in the playoffs so that will be a very good game i am weirdly looking forward to it because i think that well uh, it's always a it's always a fun game right now when you look and it's like oh ovechkin and because he's he's chasing that scoring title at an unreal pace and the they're fun to watch. Apparently, Oshie's uh, going to be – he's back skating once again. Oh, so uh, Washington is – like, they're getting the full – the band is back together, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they're one of those teams that when they're rolling, it's like, oh, yeah, that's why they've been at the top of the Metro for, what, like 10-plus years now. Yeah. No, and um, the game that I'm surprised you didn't choose, and this is just going to be a little tiny spicy one. I think the, the two of us agree that this will be a good game. Weirdly good. Uh, San Jose versus Vegas. Um, two teams that normally we wouldn't say together would be a game of the week, but uh, San Jose's been doing pretty well, and Vegas is obviously Vegas. So it's, it, I think that would be a good game. there's obviously a, a little bit of a, a history there when it comes to the playoffs and yep. probably the weirdest sequence in playoff history I have ever seen in my life the world's dumbest five-minute major um, that turned the tide of a entire series and knocked the team out. Yeah. Um, But not going for that. Um, Who would have thought that we would see Winnipeg under a game of the week? Um, They're they're not doing the the best lately. They they have their moments, but they are... um, They're hosting a team that until recently, um, they weren't even worth like turning the channel on to even see what was happening. But they bring in a new coach. Things start to, to look good. The players are having fun. Cole Caulfield is starting to score at a scary pace. He has 10 Suzuki's points. looking really good. Josh Anderson's starting to look good again. Uh, Jeff Petrie's starting to play. Who would have thought I would have Montreal and Winnipeg as a game of the week? And this one is because of Montreal and not at all because of Winnipeg. Montreal is hitting that fun-to-watch hockey, and that is what this team has to do. Yeah, and like you said, with uh, Caulfield and Suzuki heating up, I mean, in the playoffs, they were a really good combo, the two of them there. So it's nice to see they've got that chemistry back. But uh, I think I saw earlier that he had uh, that Caulfield in his last seven games. He has ten points. Like, what is that? What happened? Where did that joke go? Uh, he had one goal in his first what, like thirty-two under Dom Deschamps, and then Marty Saint Louis comes in and a, a super skilled, smaller player in his time is suddenly have fun, and you could tell that, especially Caulfield, he was afraid to try things because he'd get benched because of it. Or he'd get scratched. And this new coach coming in has basically said, do whatever you want to do. That is what I fought my entire career to be allowed to do because he was so underestimated. Mm -hmm. So Montreal, now that they have things kind of figured out, they're fun to watch. Don't expect them to win all of their games. But if your team is having a bad season, there is nothing better 
than when the games are watchable. And to me, it is a... Montreal and Winnipeg had fun games last year. Obviously, you don't have Price, you don't have Weber. It it should be a fun game. Not a good game, but a fun game. It, uh, it kind of reminds me now, uh, just kind of thinking about it a little bit, uh, Colorado, when they got rid of uh, Duchesne, after having that colossally bad season, midway through they dumped Duchesne, and they're able to turn it around a little bit. You know, they were and able that's to get some the, points. There was, it's similar. Yeah, there was, like, you could hear a lot of people making the argument, like, oh, they're, they're like the Avs, and everybody was like, no, they're not, because Caulfield isn't playing well, Suzuki isn't playing well. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly a new coach comes in, and it's like, oh, right, they do have kind of some of those pieces. Like, if they can turn things around, they've brought in new general manager, uh, they've got the new coach, they've got a whole bunch of new staff, like, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. This could be... they. They brought in the general manager that turned the Rangers around in two and a half years. All sometimes it takes is a goaltender and a bit of luck, and who knows? Maybe Marty St. Louis got that magic touch for that team. Habs, they're fun. That's why they're on my game of the week. Yep, and they're not going to go to the playoffs. That's that's no, out of the they, question. They, they literally can win every game from here on out, and they still, I believe, can't make the playoffs. Yeah. So, so there's not that aspect of it. They're playing with nothing to lose. So that I agree with, that it'll be fun to watch. I think that's a good place to wrap it up for this week. Um, <laughs> I still can't believe I changed Pat's mind on something. That doesn't happen very often. I'm a stubborn person. Um, Uh, for the first time in like seven episodes it wasn't snowing while we were recording though shortly after we finish we're supposed to get a lot more snow here so it's it's just a thursday thing apparently i want to thank everybody for listening episode 15 of ice prep podcast uh anything to add pat before we head out uh, not a lot. Just uh, stay safe. Don't doom scroll. Um, right now, things are uh, tough. I mean, we don't know when you're hearing this or whatever. So uh, if you can, take a breather from your phone. Um, go outside if you can, if it's not too cold out or rainy or whatever it may be. But just take time for yourself. Uh, mental health is really, really, really challenging right now. I know myself, I'm, I, I've been struggling this past week. So taking the time, taking time for yourself create separation between your phone and what is actually your real life right now. 